Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. Pull out your devices. Don't hear many pages turning these days. Just devices. I'm just kidding. I love devices. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Everybody say doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, it's there for a reason. So Jesus is saying, in light of all that I just said, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. The new King James says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I want to speak to you around this idea of let's go. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go. You got to say it with a little bit of attitude, like let's go. Father, I pray that as you open up your word to us, God, that we would be forever changed in this moment. We're not here to play church. We're not here to get through a service. We're here to encounter you. We're here to hear from you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Uh, maybe some are here for the first time. God, would you speak to them in a fresh way? Lord, I, I pray that uh, those that have been following you for a long time, God, that this would be, this would be a, a, a moment of reminding, refreshing, and igniting. God, that you would change us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen and amen. Let's go. Well, if, if you look up that little phrase in the slang dictionary, it, it means there's several things. One of the things is to take a leave of absence. And so we're going to leave some things behind today. So it, it's very fitting. Another thing is it's, it's a way that you show excitement, Right? Just like, like we did, all of you guys did it so well. Like some of you guys are like, let's go, let's go. You can't say it like that. You gotta be like, let's go, let's, let's. you just gotta, you had a little umph on it, a little excitement. It, it, it's to express some passion. It, it's also a word that expresses impatience. You ever said it like this? Let's go. Let's go. And then at the same time, it, it can really challenge somebody. And we want to do that today as well. Because the challenge will look like something like this. Like, let's go. Like, you're either going to square up and start fighting, right? Like, let's go. Is that, is that how you do it these days? I don't know. Like this, like this. I don't, I don't know. I don't fight anymore. I'm retired. <laughs> retired. But, but before we, we talk about modern slang, let, let me take, you, take us back to Abraham Lincoln days. Now, Abraham Lincoln hired a general by the name of General George McCullen. Probably one of the greatest... One of the greatest strategists, military strategists that, that our nation has known, he's known for several different things, but they called him a young Napoleon because he was super brilliant, super smart. Uh, Napoleon's that little French guy, general, leader, um, just in case you didn't know who that was. I uh, got to pay attention in history, ladies and gentlemen, come on. You guys look at me like, Napoleon, who's Napoleon? Napoleon Dynamite? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no Napoleon. And, and so, so General McCullen graduated from West Point 
And he had this great ability to recruit people. In fact, he was only with the Union Army for four months, and he increased the military by 300%, which is huge. And the Union kind of needed a little pick-me-up because the morale was down. They were in a little bit of a slump. And now they outnumbered the Confederate Army two to one, which, which is, which is not, not bad. It's pretty good. But this guy had experience. He had tons of talent. Now he has one of the most valiant armies that our, our nation has known. But there was only one problem with, with General McCollum. Is General McCollum, exactly. General McCollum never wanted to engage in the fight. He just never wanted to engage. You guys remember Tom Cruise in the original Top Gun? When it was like, it was time to engage in the fight. And he's like, goose, goose, it's not a good time. Goose, no, it's not good, it's not good. Right, because he, he was just, he was scared. Some things were, were blocking him. General McCollum always overestimated the enemy. He was always plotting, strategizing, you know, solving problems, looking for the best way to move, but then he would never do anything. And so after about a year, when they had several times they could have attacked the Confederate army and, and, and did some damage, finally Abraham Lincoln was like, bro, you're fired. It was like a year. He fired General George McCollum, and he hired a guy that wasn't as smart, uh, wasn't a, a brilliant strategist, but this guy would go to war in sandals, and his name was Ulysses S. Grant. And this guy, again, he wasn't the, the, the cream of the crop, but he was willing to engage in the fight. Because a general that never engages in the battle, we would all kind of step back and, and think, something's wrong with that picture. And I would think just as, as that picture looks a little bit skewed, I would say that as a follower of Jesus, as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we can spend time with God, we can prepare all the time, we can have some of the best sermons, but it's no different than General McCollin if we never engage in the reality of making disciples. Like, like so, something is, is off a little bit. Because the early church, making disciples was like normal. That's just what, what, what they did. Now, now, when you think about going to war, it kind of messes with your gut a little bit. Anybody ever like think deeply about war, going to war? Or, or having to engage, or maybe you have a family member that's in the military, and you're like, man, it just, it's a big deal. And, and I, I think sometimes we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. And so when we think about engaging in that fight, we, we get some, some feelings. We, we feel some things in our gut. And I, I remember back in the day when I was a kid, we would, um, any, anytime we were going to go on a trip, like to an amusement park, you didn't have a, a digital map. You had to actually go to like a travel lodge and get a pamphlet. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like walk into a travel lodge, they have all these pamphlets for Disneyland and Magic Mountain. And, and you actually have to take the pamphlet out, open it up, and it'll show you the rides. And I remember as a kid, we would open up those maps, maps and we would just dream. Like, we're going to go on that ride. And, and we're just plotting and strategizing our entire trip. And I remember my first time in Magic Mountain, my babysitter took me. Um, shout out to the cool babysitters, right, that take you to Magic Mountain. And I remember getting out of the car, and I was so pumped. We're going to ride the biggest rides. The biggest ride in California at the time was the Colossus. Anybody remember the Colossus? A big wooden roller coaster. Some of you guys are like, nope, don't remember that. Um, and I just remember getting out of the car, and you can hear the screams of people coming down the drop. And, and it was kind of in the distance. You would just hear the, the roar. And you would, you would hear them drop in. And I just remember as a kid, I looked up, and all of my plotting, strategizing, Everything I believed that I was going to do, I was like, man, I'm not sure if I want to do this now. I'm a little kid. I might fall out of that thing, right? 
And it was just a little bit of a change of heart. And we are in a spiritual battle, and sometimes the feeling of making disciples, it can be super intimidating. Sometimes we make it super complex. But this is what I know. If you are a follower of Jesus in the building today, this, I know a couple of things. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that's all good. Sit back, relax, and um, open up your heart to, to what God may speak to you. But I want to talk to you if you're a follower of Jesus today. This is, this is what I do know. I do know that the moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to making disciples. Because sometimes we think that making disciples is up to the pastors and the leaders in the church, the missionaries, right? Like, you guys go do that stuff. But as a pastor, that, it's, it's really not the case. And it's, it's awesome because God hasn't called me to save the world. How many of you guys say, no, that's a relief. God hasn't even called me to save this city. I can't save anybody, but I do, have a, I do have a very key responsibility, and Paul says it this way. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to do what? To go and do all the work, to, to make sure that you touch every person. No, he said, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So if you said yes to Jesus, whether you know it or not, you also said yes to making disciples. Second thing I know to be true is this, is that we all know someone who is far from God and needs to be closer. Like even some of those people are going through your mind right now as I say that. Yep, it's her. It's him. Even him. Yep. And the third thing that I know is that you are God's plan to reach them. Notice I didn't say change them. I think sometimes we think disciple making is about us changing people. How many of you guys know that would be terrible? That's called manipulation. God hasn't called us to change anybody. God has called us to reach people. Only God can change the heart. God, God has called us to plant. He's called us to water. And then the Bible says he has to make it grow. So the pressure is off. I can't, listen, if you're in our church today, I can preach my guts out and I am not going to be judged by changing your heart because it's, it, that's between you and God. I can't do that. I'm going to preach the word of God to you. I'm going to plant, I'm going to water, but God has to make it grow. Yeah. And that, that's just, that's relieving. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but the, here's the case. The, the deal is, is that the church of Jesus, which is not this building, let me just say this again. We are the church, not the building. The building is not the church. We are the church. And we are, God's, we are God's plan A to reach people. Like God does not have a plan B. He didn't say, hey, just in case my church doesn't work out, uh, I'm going to reach people this way. No, no, no. He has placed you and I in the lives of people, not so they can stay far away from him. And that's why I'm so passionate about what we're doing as a church and, and who we are as a church. You know, we have moments like serve day. Again, we're hoping that that awakens your heart to the reality that you get to serve every single day as a follower of Jesus, that it doesn't stop with a church event. Are you guys tracking with me on that? And, and I'm grateful that we as a church, we, we plant churches because we believe the local church is the hope of the world. So we get to plant churches all around the nation. We're passionate about that because we really believe that if the church is actively engaged in doing what it's supposed to do, being salt and light, then Jesus said this, Jesus said, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That, that, that wherever there's hopelessness and there's a life-giving, Bible-teaching church, there's going to be hope in that city. 
Well, wherever there's darkness, there's going to be light in that area. Wherever people are in bondage, trapped by sin, broken, just struggling, going through stuff, there's going to be transformation. Because this, this is why he came. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to let the oppressed go free. And he's called us to be the instruments of that. Now, when we think about discipleship, though, I think we get it a little bit confused. And I think sometimes we make it super complex. We have a missionary that we support from Indonesia. And we started supporting her last year. So can I just tell you, Fountain Church, you are making an impact in church planting in Indonesia. And uh, she was on, uh, she went with us to the Tenderloin yesterday. Uh, we we uh, served with City Impact for our portion of Serve Day and I was riding Bart home with her. And she's just sharing, me, sharing with me all the miracle stories that God is doing. And she's going to make a video for us, so you're going to get to hear all about it. But she said, you know, Pastor Matt, we don't have church like this in Indonesia. It's the largest Muslim country. We don't get to do church like this. So we start discipling people the moment we meet them. Like the moment we first encounter somebody, we start moving them closer to Jesus. Again, I think sometimes we make it so complicated. We would say this, discipleship is simply identifying where somebody is spiritually and helping them take a step. Like if they don't know Jesus, man, let's invite them and introduce them to Jesus. It's not very complicated. If they know Jesus, but they've never been water baptized, man, let's help them go public with their faith. Let's have the conversation and, and encourage them to get baptized. Are you with me? Sometimes we feel like it's this big deal, and it is a big deal, but it's not as big or complicated as we make it sometimes. Jesus said, hey, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. He's like, listen, I may not have given you a strategy completely. There's some flexibility because you have to contextualize. But I've given you my word, and I've given you everything you need to really help make disciples, to help pastor people. But contextually, you got to have some freedom. We're in the tenderloin. And it's a different context there. So we're going to bring the same message of the gospel. The, the message doesn't change, but how we engage that community is going to be a little bit different, how we engage somebody with free ice cream at the park here in Pleasanton. And so we have this freedom to contextualize. Jesus has given us what to say. He's given us his word. He's given us so much that we're going to understand that we're going to, we're going to dive into today. And it's not as hard as, as you think. Like some of you, you, you've been around enough where you could preach this sermon. Like you're even kind of bummed you came today. You're like, oh, I already know this. I wish you were preaching on something that was going to speak to me today. This is for you. Like, like this message is for you. Some of you are feeling a little bit guilty because you're like, I know it, but I'm not living it. Others of you, because you know that, you're like, I should have slept in today. Online, should have did an online church today. Came in person like, God, you're, I, I hear you. And we're only like five minutes in the sermon. And so some of you guys, you just know. You know, but you're not. And I, I don't feel like God has come here to put a guilt trip on you today. I feel like he's come to, like he wants to set you free today. Because again, we, we make this a little bit more complicated. And a lot of times we think it's this, but it's not. I think some of us today, we feel a little inadequate to make disciples. Like maybe you're new to following Jesus and you're like, man, I don't want to mess this thing up. I don't want to mess people up. I don't even know what I would say. Some of you are a little bit scared because you're, you're, maybe you don't know the Bible really well. You're not a theologian and you're looking at discipleship or you even hear those words come out of my mouth and you're like, God has called me to do this. It's like looking at the roller coaster like, I don't know. I'm not really sure if I want to make that drop. Because it feels big, and it is. It's just not as complicated 
as you think. Some of you guys are walking with Jesus and you've been walking with him for a while and you're still afraid. That's okay. Some of you guys are just flat out exhausted. Can I get an amen? Like even in your mind right now, you're like, really, bro? You want me to reach more people? How about you come work my two jobs and take care of my kids? And then let's talk about discipleship. Right? And there's a sense you would never say that to me out loud, but you're thinking it in your heart. You know what I mean? And if you've had any of those thoughts, can I just say, welcome home. You were in a great church. And and you you fit just just fine here. Because we've all had those thoughts. And that's why I'm so grateful for Jesus. I got some good news. Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That sounds pretty awesome. And he says this, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, when you put an oak uh, or a yoke on oxen, it's, get this picture, it's two oxen side by side, and there's the, you know, those two wooden slabs with the, with the neck cut out, and they come together, and one neck is in one part of the yoke, there's another oxen here, and his neck is there. What's interesting about this passage is a yoke is used for work. A lot of times when we think about rest, we think about absence of work. No, Jesus is saying, no, no, it's going to, like, there's a lot of work to be done. I just want you to do it with me. And if you do it with me, man, you're going to find that there's going to be rest for your soul. You're going to learn that I'm gentle and humble. Like, I'm not trying to be a a slave driver. No, you're like, you're going to learn from me. And you're going to find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is the beautiful thing about Christ. When we are yoked to him, no matter how tough the terrain, there's still a beauty. There's still a rest. There's still a confidence. There's still an assurance that no no matter how hard it gets, these things are still available to us. That's a beautiful picture. And that's for every aspect of life, not just for making disciples. That's for any aspect of life that you're overwhelmed in right now. He's like, hey, why are you trying to do it by yourself? Like, yoke up to me. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to go make disciples with anxiety. Let's go with anxiety. Let's go with some guilt. Come on, just an old school, some guilt, spiritual guilt. Some of you guys know that. He's not saying, let's go and burn out. No, he's saying, why don't you just come with me? Why don't you go with me? Not go with performance, not go with striving. Why don't you go with me? And in the midst of the work, you're going to find a great rest. So I'm hoping today that for some of you who have been in church for a while, this refreshes you, ignites something inside of you again. And for maybe uh, those of you who are new, that, that God gives you a revelation that you can catch his heart. Because if you can catch the things that I'm about to talk about today, I promise you, it can change the entire journey. Like, we can enjoy the journey with Jesus, and we'll probably reach a ton more people. And the first thing is this, is that we need to go with the one who is patient. Like, he's so patient. Let me give you the context. Matthew 28, we just read. Jesus has been crucified, risen from the dead. He tells his disciples, hey, let's have a staff meeting in Galilee. I want you to meet me here. And so this is an epic moment. The disciples saw Jesus do some incredible stuff. They saw Jesus heal the sick. They saw him raise the dead. They saw demons cast out of people, people set free. Then he dies. They're bummed. He raises again on the third day. They're super pumped now. And it's the moment 
that we've all been waiting for. Okay, you're alive. We saw you dead. Now you're alive. Now what are you going to do? Do it big. Do it majestic. I think about this. He just rose from the dead. That's huge. That's a huge deal. It's like, what is he going to do now? Is it going to be, is he going to overthrow Rome? What is he going to do? And I don't think, listen, in that moment, what would you have expected? You're looking at the risen Savior, and you're, you're thinking, what are you going to do now? We've seen you do a ton of stuff. What are you going to do? I don't think that we would be ready for his response. He, he tells his disciples, he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to ascend to the Father, because if I don't ascend to the Father, the Spirit's not going to come. You're definitely going to need the Holy Spirit because I'm not going to do anything you're going to do. Huh? Like, we're going to do, what, what, what do you mean? Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to send, I'm going to send the, the Holy Spirit. Father's going to send the Spirit, and what's going to happen? You're going to go and make disciples of all nations. Like, you are my plan. What? I don't think we'd be ready for that answer. So, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 17, it says, Meanwhile, the 11 disciples went up to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, you're staring at the risen king. And some are like, I'm not buying it. Nope. Is that really him? Hmm. Fake holes. I don't know. You know, holes in his hands. You guys know your Bible a little bit? I hope you know that. But see, if you were trying to fabricate a story, you, you'd leave that part out. Some doubt it. You would just be like, they're all full of faith, ready to go. That's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't pull any punches. And we see the humanity of the disciples. We see the struggles. We see the issues. Anybody have issues in the place? No hands. You guys are all liars. You, got, you guys have your first issue officially today. Come on, like, you got to engage on this Sunday morning. And, and so, so, so Matthew, he's doing something here. Matthew is painting a picture of God's patience with us. Like Jesus doesn't even address their doubts. He knows they're struggling. But he still sends the worshipers and the doubters to go and make disciples. Like, could you imagine if he was like, because he knows everybody's thoughts and minds. What if he was like, nope, not you, you doubter. Go home. He doesn't do that. He, he, say, he speaks to both of them. He doesn't address their doubts, but he's like, no, I still called you. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, still, I still have a mission for you. And he tells them the same thing. I know you're struggling a little bit, but I've called you. I know you got some issues. I know you're wrestling. I know you have some doubts. That's okay. I, I still called you. Like, you don't get a pass. Some of you guys are like, I wish he would, like, give me a pass. He's like, no, no, no. You Go and make disciples. Can I, can I confess something to you real quick? Sometimes on, on the... On a Sunday morning, it, it can be like therapy as I confess my sins to you. Um, so th this last week, my, my kids, we said, let them stay up a little bit late. Had a long week. Good week, but a long week. Let them stay up a little bit late. It's about 9 o'clock, way past their bedtime. So getting ready to put them in bed, and one of my kids says, hey, how about we take communion? I'm like, communion? It's 9 o'clock at night. And instantly I'm like, you're trying to hustle me. Just trying to stay up a little bit later, right? Trying to work the window. So I'm like, no, it's, it's, that's not work. You don't, don't try to make it spiritual because you're trying to stay up late. 
I just shoot straight and be honest. So I did what any good dad would do. I sent him to bed. And I just knew the look on Jackie's face was, and I was a little intense, you know, I'm tired. I'm like, oh no, like, I wasn't yell at him, but I wasn't super nice. Get to bed. And, and so Jackie comes back and I already know. I just know, you know, you, when you know that you know, and I'm like, what, you think I was too harsh? She's like, no. Just saying, I don't know if we should discourage them from spiritual things. I was like, communion at 9 o'clock? That's not spiritual, right? Instantly feeling it in my gut like, oh, man, I'm messing up my kids. Like I should have made, Jesus would have made it a moment. So don't take parenting advice from me. You can take the word of God. But we had communion the next morning. Can I just tell you, if you're not taking communion with your family, you're missing out. Because we get to disciple our kids, let them to, to cause them to think about what Jesus has done examine their lives within, and look ahead toward the reality of his return. You should be doing communion with your family. Don't have to do it at 9 o'clock at night, but you should be doing <laughs> communion with your family. But, but this is what hit me, how patient God has been with me, how many times I procrastinated, waited to the last minute, distracted by things that don't matter, and he still calls me. Like he didn't say, hey, because you did that to your kids, sorry, no serve day for you. No, he, he still calls me. I know Jesus would have made a, a teaching moment out of the communion time. I missed it. But he, he's been so patient with me. He's so patient with you. And I'm going to be judged twice as hard. Like, I'm thinking after that moment, I'm like, there goes a little ruby off my crown. Just told my kids I can't take communion. <laughs> Judgment's coming for me, right? But even in our doubts, we still have a Savior that's patient with us. He still calls us. He still has purpose for us. We're still on mission. He doesn't call superheroes. Aren't you grateful he doesn't call superheroes? He calls ordinary people like you and I. So some of you wish he called superheroes so you wouldn't have to go. But he doesn't. And he's so patient. But his patience, patience shouldn't produce a passivity or a laziness in us. In fact, when you really understand his grace and his patience, it should motivate you. Can I tell you the first thing we did when we woke up that day? We took communion. And don't tell my kids these stories, too. They'd be like, Dad, you, you, you didn't tell me you were going to say it like that. I'm like, I told you. I always ask permission when I'm going to talk about our family because I don't want to blast them all the time. But uh, yeah, so don't, don't be telling on me. Uh, when you see my kids, oh, communion, you know. <laughs> like, Dad. Um, and so, so he, he's... he's He's just so gracious with us, but that should motivate us to move, not, not cause us to be lazy. If it, it caused you to be lazy, you've missed his patience. You, you don't understand his grace. Because I tell you, if you go on mission with Jesus, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to fumble through your words. You're going to have those awkward conversations. So let me tell you about Jesus. You should come to my church. And he's just so patient with us. But not only is he patient, we need to go with the one who's powerful, who has the power. See, Jesus knew that he was commissioning them to something that was much bigger than them. Now, this is, this is going to be way over your head. So he said, I want to point you to my authority, to my power. And this is what he said. He said this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So think about this for a moment. Not just our nation, all nations. Like when's the last time you looked at this text and you're like, man, that's a pretty big ask. 
All nations? We don't even have a car. How, how are we going to do all nations? Throughout the entire Gospel of Matthew, Matthew was always focused on the authority of Christ. His authority over sickness and disease, right? Blind eyes are opening. Lepers are being cured. The woman with the issue of blood reaches out by faith. Power leaves him, heals her disease. Power over demons. Like literally Jesus shows up on the scene and demons are like, what do you want to do with me? What are you doing here? It's like, man, I'm God. What are you doing here? (laughs) You know what I mean? And there's just an ease. They're panicking. They're frantic. They're anxious. They're all these things. And he just says, get in the pigs. Get out. Just, just an authority. He, Matthew talks about his, his authority to judge and forgive sin, his, his authority over sin to both judge and forgive it. How powerful is that? His authority over suffering, that, that as we're wrestling and as our soul is in anguish, that he has the ability, as we just read, to give us rest. Matthew talks about how he has authority over all creation, that, that even when his disciples were caught in a storm, he comes walking upon the very water that is disrupting their lives, and he doesn't have any power equipment. He doesn't have a jet ski or a wave runner. True story, though, I was on the Sea of Galilee, like my first time going to Israel, and a jet ski like went by us. I'm like, you're ruining the whole moment. The whole moment. Like the nostalgic part of it was gone. I'm like, they got jet skis on the Sea of Galilee. Nobody's walking on this water anymore. And, and so just, it, just mess, it just messed it up for me. But, but he has authority over all creation. He speaks to the wind and it stops. In the book of Daniel, it says this. This is super powerful. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. This is the kingdom, guys. This is our church. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. He has ultimate authority, all-encompassing authority in heaven and on earth. And he looks at everything in creation and he says, it's mine. That is so powerful. That should totally change the way we go. That should totally change the posture of our heart as we go into the world to make disciples, that he is with us. The one who is all-powerful, omnipotent. It's huge, but here's the deal. Matthew chapter 14, the disciples find themselves in a place, there's thousands of people, it's getting late, Jesus has been preaching, and they're like, hey man, we are in a remote place. It's getting late, Jesus. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. This word remote, I did a study on it this last week, and it literally means to be deserted, to be desolate, to be barren, or to be abandoned. I just felt like the Lord whispered this this simple truth, that, that when we see desolation, when we see barrenness, when we see a wasteland, our first inclination isn't like, God, you can do it. Do it again, Lord. I mean, I mean, think about this. A lot of people are looking at California for a lot of different ways, taxes and politics. And they're like, desolate, barren, I'm going to Texas, Idaho, Tennessee. Because they just can't see like, uh, you, it's, it's, it's too far gone. 
Some people are called there. I'm not knocking everybody that's moving. And if you want to move, move. I, I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not a hater like that. I'm just saying a lot of times when we see desolation, our natural inclination isn't, God, you're going to do a miracle. God, you're going to do something in this space. Our natural inclination is, inclination is normally like the disciples. We, we see this reality that they do not need to go away. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they're like, What? You want us to give them something to eat. All we see is desolation. We have here only. I love their little wording. We have here only. It's like, it's like the way the NIV words this, it kind of sounds like, a, like an old English translation. We have here only five loaves and two fish. Do you know how many times I've preached a message and I just feel like I flopped? And somebody comes up, that changed, God changed my life. You know how many times I've talked to people and it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go? I thought, man, totally blew that one. And then God shows up and speaks to them in a way that I'm like, man, you got that out of that? When Jackie and I, we came to Fountain, we, we had a three-week transition when we came here. I'm looking at our bank account and I'm like, we have here only. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, God, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Jackie felt that way. I was like, what are we doing? Like our natural inclination isn't just like miraculous. I remember when we used to do youth camps one time, we had to go. We, went to, we took 30 kids up to camp. That's already crazy as it is, right? And it was a cabin retreat, 30 kids in one cabin. No joke. We had so much fun, but it was crazy. And I remember this time that our worship leader couldn't come. So we had a kid with the out-of-tune guitar and played three chords. And we're like, we have only. And then God shows up in such a powerful way. We worship for like four hours. Students are getting wrecked and rocked. I mean, just when we gave him what we had. And that's what the disciples, their, their first inclination wasn't, God, you can do this. But Jesus is trying to teach them something because this is what he said. He said, bring them to me. Bring it to me. At least the disciples had the courage to give Jesus all they had. We only have this, but I'm giving it all to you. I'm going to let it pass through your hands and see what you can do with it. And so Jesus told them to sit down. He blessed it, broke it, gave it out to the disciples. All were satisfied. Leftovers. But normally when we look at people, we see when we see desolation, when we see barrenness, when we see brokenness, a lot of times we just think, Send them away. They're too far gone. Or sometimes we just think, they're not going to listen to what I have to say. Like, I know them. I know once I say this, they're going to go down that road. We have only. And Jesus is like, man, did you forget that I'm all powerful? Did you forget that I'm, I can do anything? Like Anything. I want this to settle in your heart just for a moment. It's in those moments that God puts himself on display in such a way that it reminds us that it's never been about our persuasion. It's always been about his power. And he takes our fumbling, our brokenness, our, you know, awkwardness, and he uses it for his glory. And his authority steps into that space as we step out. And it's his authority that gives us the ability. It's not the strong. It's the weak when we realize we need you. We need your power. We need your patience. We can't change anybody's heart. Imagine if we could change somebody's heart, we wouldn't mess it up. 
all the time. We'd be like, change. No, I'm not, not feeling that one. Change again. We just mess it up. But he's like, this is way beyond your ability. It's my authority that gives you the ability. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when he calls his disciples, he doesn't call the elite. He says, he doesn't look at his disciples and be like, wow, you speak so well. Your strategy is on point. He doesn't look at them and it's like, your creativity is stellar. He's like, you guys are a mess, but I'm going to use you. Because I am all powerful. And I am going to be with you. This is so much bigger than you. I'm calling you to change the world. And that's not going to happen with your skill or your talents. I'm going to use the skill and the talent that I've given you. But it's only with my authority as you go out that you will have the ability to go and really make disciples. It's his power. Doesn't that give you some rest? It doesn't hinge on us. Just our yes. Lastly is this. It's we just need to go with his presence. I've been talking about this the whole message. If you missed it, hey, here you go. It's this idea that when Jesus said, go and make disciples, in the original language, it's really translated as having gone. Almost like, like he just expects us to go. Not, not like it's an option, like, hey, if you go, or maybe when you decide to go, or maybe when your life is ready to go. No, it's having gone, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, and lo, I am with you always. This word lo, it literally means in light of everything that I've just told you, I want you to lean in like never before because this is the crux of everything, is I am going to be with you always. This word in Greek, with, this is crazy. It literally means results after the activity. And so I want you to get this picture. As a follower of Jesus Christ, God's presence is with you all the time. But he's saying that as you go, like there's going to be an anointing, my power, like everything you need. As you step out and go, the results that come after that activity of you saying yes, like, like you can count on that. I'm going to be with you. There's going to be an anointing that breaks the yoke. There's going to be a power that you can walk in that's not of yourself. You can walk in an authority. Why? Because I'm with you. You can just pass it. Like, you literally say, okay, Lord, here it is. This is all I got. I'm going. Let it pass through your hands. Multiply the little that we have. And so a lot of times we're afraid of making disciples because we're afraid of being alone. And Jesus is like, I'm going to be with you. The one who's all patient, the one who has all authority says, I will be with you always. Now, a lot of us know this in theory, but until this becomes a reality and changes the scope of how we see this, we'll totally miss out. And so I would say that the reality of his presence should radically change something in our lives. And this is where I want to land the plane is that his presence with us should impact our prayer time with him. Like the reality that God is with you should change every step. How you interact with God every moment. This reality of God with us, the reality of Christmas, the reality of the Great Commission, God with us. You know, I have a big old Mastiff is one of my dogs and I hate to run so I'll jump on my bike with him and run him like two miles just because he gets a better workout and I don't get winded. The, 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 the scary part, though, is he's on a leash. 
So if that boy stops to go to the bathroom, how many of you guys know we all stop? Everything stops. So I have to be careful. Like if I start to see him like start walking a little funny, I slow down because I know for sure he's just going to come to a halt and it's going to pull me back and messes things up because we're tethered together. That when he stops, I stop. Can I just tell you, when God speaks, are you prepared in a moment's time? And when God says, oh, him, her, stop, stop, stop here, them. And a lot of times when we think about reaching people, we think about people outside of our home. It may be a moment in the kitchen and God says, now's the time. Drop that seed. Water that, water that seed like now's the moment. And when you look at his disciples, it's interesting because there was a lot of things they could have asked Jesus. How do you raise the dead? How do you do this? How do you do that? We have a record of the disciples asking Jesus probably the most important thing and the same question that, you, that should intrigue you and I is they said, hey, Lord, there's a lot of things we could ask you, but will you teach us how to pray like that? Because we see when our religious leaders pray, what happens? It's routine. Nothing really changes. But when you pray, something always happens. It's like there's a connection to the Father that we know is the key. So we want to know, we want to know that. How do we get that kind of connection? Because when we pray, we want things to happen. We want things to change. If God is with us on mission, I think we should be prayerful and mindful of his presence every moment. In the workplace, at school, at home, tell you, I know every single one of my baristas, every single one. I can tell you when they had surgery. I can tell you all these things. Why? It's because it's part of my, my rhythm, unfortunately. It's part of my rhythm. I'm going to go get coffee here. So I want to know you. I want to know your name. Because you have a story that God cares about. I mean, just imagine how everything would change if you just know. Imagine how your marriage would change if you're like, God, you're with me. Like every moment. You're mindful. The mission doesn't stop when we get out of church. It, you never leave. And there's not an off switch. There's life and there's light. And you're like, Pastor Matt, but what do I do? Like, where do I go from here? Well, in light of his patience, in light of his power, in light of his presence, can I just encourage you to listen to the cry? in the world, in your home, at school, in your workplace. All us pastors, we list all those things because you know that's where you live and where you do life. But we're, what we're really saying is wherever you have influence, wherever your feet step, listen for the cry. You guys remember this movie, Hacksaw Ridge? It's brutal. I cannot recommend it. But there was a time where he was, he was, he was crying out. I was like, God, I can't hear you. God, I don't know what to do. I can't hear you. And then you just hear this cry in the background, help, help. And it was like, I hear you. I, I can hear you now. I, I, I hear the cries. I can hear the cry. Can you hear the cry in the rubble? Listen, when you're talking to people, can you, see, can you hear behind the words and see the cry in the marriage? To see the cry in their hearts. Can, can you hear it? Because they're crying everywhere. We, we were at the Tenderloin yesterday. We were, we were delivering meals. And a lady, one of the ladies that I talked to in a room, she's like, man, baby, I was raped two weeks ago in my room. And I'm just like, God, can, 
can you hear that cry? And then we get home in Dublin and they lock us down on BART because the lady is on the platform with a big old knife just out of her mind. And then you just hear her crying from the police car. I don't know who you are. Let me out. Just, can you hear the cry? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And sometimes we love the strategy. We love, you know, we come to church. We're like, hey, Pastor Matt, come on, preach it differently so you stimulate my mind. Just put a twist on it so I never heard it like that. I, I want to be more intrigued. I want to go deeper. A lot of times in church, we're not saying we want to go deeper. What we're really saying is we want to go wider because deep, according to Scripture, is intimacy with God and obedience. And so what we really want to do is just go wide. Just stimulate my thinking. And God's like, I want to change your heart. I want to change your life so that you can go and hear the cry of others and share the same good news. And so listening in the scripture is the word Shema. In the Old Testament, listening and obeying were the same thing. Like, like Shema means to listen, to pay attention, and to respond. It was like when the, uh, in the book of Exodus, as the people were in slavery for 400 years, the Bible says that their cry had reached the Lord. And the Lord didn't look down like, hey, I hear you. So hard down there. Good luck. Hope it works, but I hear you. It doesn't even have to say anything. It just says God heard their cry and the response was evident. Because that's Shema. It's, it's listening to a point of moving. We stand to your feet. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. This is your next step. I want you to cry out to God this week. And I just want you to ask God one thing. Lord, help me to hear their cry. Help me to hear the cry of the people around me. Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear. I want you to pray. And maybe you're here today and, and there's, you, you, you just sense God is moving on you in, in a way that's reminding you and refreshing you. You're feeling the call of God raise up again on the inside of you. You're feeling an urgency again. Like, man, I gotta, God has called me to do something. I just wanna encourage you. Our prayer team is gonna be up here after service. Can I just ask you to be bold and just come up and let one of our prayer team members know I'll be up here our team will be up here just just say hey I, I heard that today and I want God to do something fresh inside of me let us pray with you maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus maybe maybe you've just been in a funk and you're like man I just need to rededicate my life would you just come forward let us pray with you it's not complicated I promise we're not going to keep you for 10 hours just let us pray with you Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. I could pray just a little prayer with you right now, and I, I believe in that, and I know that God uses that because that's changed my life. But I do want to encourage you today, just, just come down and just say, hey, I don't even know, like, what is going on, but I need to, I want to get closer to God. Just let us know. Let us pray with you. Father, I pray that you would seal this message in our heart, God, that, that we would be people that hear the cry. Lord, that we, we can go with great rest, not guilt, not burnout, not anxiety. Lord, we're going with the one who's patient. We're going with the one who's all powerful. We're going with the one who says, I'm gonna be with you. So God, today we go with rest, not obligation. We go with the joy of all that you've done for us. And we go with the confidence that doesn't rely on our strategy, on our delivery, on any of those things, but just rest on God. You have to change people. I'm just gonna step out and be obedient when you tell me to. Let us just live with such a freedom in that, God, to find out where people are spiritually and help them take a step. 
Help us not to overcomplicate it and feel like it's more than, than it is, Lord. Just help us to live with you on mission every single day. Not an event, but daily. As we build relationships, as we engage the world, would you do this in our heart as a church in a deep way? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.